Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today we're going to return to Galatians chapter 5, where we're looking at the work of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. My friend, you want to walk in the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit because the work of the flesh is hard. It's hard what the flesh produces. And today I'm going to show you that in Galatians chapter 5. But order the whole series, which is called The Works of the Flesh Versus the Fruit of the Spirit. And the subhead says, you choose death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. Which one would you prefer? Death permeated works or supernatural life giving fruit. The works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, and we really can make the choice. Order yours today. It comes in 10 parts in multiple formats, and it comes with a study guide. And this study guide is really loaded with information. All you have to do is pull your chair up to the table, sit down and dive in, because the meal has been prepared for you. And when you read it, while you see it or hear it, it really reinforces the teaching and gets it inside you. And this is teaching you really need to have reinforced in your life, and you should share it with your child, your friend, anyone you're discipling, your Bible study group. We need to know how to produce the fruit of the Spirit and not produce the works of the flesh. And right now we're also offering you my daily devotional. One is called Sparkling Gems from the Greek. That's volume one. Look at the size of this. Now, don't be afraid because you don't have to read the whole book in one setting. It is a daily devotional. You just read a little bit at a time. But in volume one, there are 1,000 Greek word studies. If you enjoy all the Greek that I share in my programs, you will devour this because it is loaded with insights to the Greek New Testament. And if you already have volume one, then order volume two. People who had read volume one wanted more. So I went back to the New Testament, exegeted another 1,000 Greek word studies that are not in volume one. So between both of these, there are 2,000 Greek word studies that are so easy for you to understand, and they will really make the Bible come alive for you. And I want to remind you that when you become a partner with our ministry, a partner is anyone who financially sows into our ministry regularly to help us take this teaching of the Bible to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, go into all the world and teach all nations. That's what we're doing. We're taking the teaching of the Bible into the whole world. I wish you could see the list of nations that we're hearing from that are watching this program and are writing to say, thank you, thank you, thank you for enabling us to have access to this kind of teaching. And it's our partners that put the financial fuel in the tank so we can do this. And partners, I just want to say thank you so much for what you do. And if you're not a partner yet, but this program is a blessing to you, would you help it to become a blessing to somebody else by sowing financially into our ministry and becoming a partner? And the moment you become a part of our partner family, we're going to send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness and my book called Life in the Combat Zone. We always send these two books to anyone who becomes a partner and remember that we want to pray for you. We're told in Matthew 18, verse 19, that if we'll agree as touching anything in prayer, God will do it. And if you'll let us know how to pray for you, we'll get into agreement. God will release his power and he will move in your life. We're just waiting to hear from you. So contact us now by going online or give us a call. But I'll be back in just a moment. 
Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. My friend, grab your Bible, get a piece of paper and something to write with, because today you're going to want to take notes. And we're going to return to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're talking about walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh. But in Galatians 5, 16, the Apostle Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in this verse, Paul speaks categorically, emphatically. We know that because in the Greek text, when it says this I say, the Greek words are actually lego day. Lego means I say, but the word day is emphatic. It is categorical. It's like he's raising his voice to get our attention. He says, hear what I'm saying to you. I'm telling you emphatically. I'm telling you categorically that if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The word walk is the Greek word peripateo, which we've seen in the two previous programs. It's a compound of two words, the word peri, which means around. It describes something that is encircling you or something that is around you. The word pateo means to walk. It's from the word pathos, which is the word for a path. But when you compound the two words together, it forms the word peripateo, which means to walk around in one general vicinity all the time. You've so walked this vicinity that it's become your habitual route. You're comfortable there. And in fact, you live your life there. You're living there. And in fact, this word could be translated, this I say, live in the spirit. And that's so very important because walking in the spirit is not hit and miss. It's not what you do just once in a while. This verse literally means you can habitually walk in the spirit. That's what it means. And Paul says, if you walk in the spirit, you will pull the plug on the flesh. That's why he continues in verse 16 to say, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in Greek, shall not is the word u and the word may. The word u is emphatically no, and the word may is a negative or a canceller. But when you put these two words together, it means no, you absolutely will not. It is God's guarantee that you cannot walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh simultaneously. You have to walk in the flesh and not walk in the spirit, or if you walk in the spirit, you will not walk in the flesh. Paul says, no, in no wise, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word fulfill is the Greek word teleo. The word teleo describes something that has grown up, something that has reached maturity. It was a child. It was small, but it went through phases of growth and finally became full Developed, And now Paul says, when you walk in the spirit, you stop the development of sin. You stop the development of the works of the flesh. And the word works, my friend, is the Greek word which describes something really laborious. We're talking about hard labor, but wait. Galatians 5, 16 could be translated like this. This is the RIV. Make the path of the Spirit the place where you habitually live and walk. Become so comfortable on this spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. 
Living your life in this spirit realm is the best way to guarantee you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh to creep out and fulfill themselves. But then in Galatians 5.19, Paul begins to describe what the flesh produces, and you don't want this. He immediately says, now the works of the flesh. Mm. The word works is the word erga. This word erga signifies some kind of action, a deed or activity. It denotes the results of hard, hard work or hard labor. And it tells us that what the flesh produces is really hard. It is laborious. What the spirit produces is called fruit. It's easy. It's wonderful. It's enjoyable. It's luscious. Wow. But the flesh produces something that is filled with hard labor. Wow. The word flesh is the Greek word sarkos, which describes the flesh, the carnal nature, or base fleshly instincts. You know, we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 by the Apostle Paul that the flesh has its own desire, the flesh has its own lust, and the flesh has its own mind. And if you don't deal with your flesh, your flesh will deal with you. And what it produces in your life is hard labor. It's hard what the flesh produces. You've got to take it to the cross, mortify it by the power of the Holy Spirit, release the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit in you. If you don't, the flesh will go to work. And when the flesh goes to work, it will begin to manifest some really ugly things. And that's what Paul tells us in Galatians 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Mm. This word manifest is the Greek word phaneros. Listen to what it means. It describes something that appears, something that suddenly manifests. It becomes visible to become apparent, to become seen, to become well-known or to become conspicuous. If you don't deal with your flesh, your flesh will begin to throw a party. It will begin to manifest itself. And in Galatians chapter 5, Verses 19 through 21, Paul tells us how the flesh will manifest. Listen to what he says. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Hold on, here it is. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That is quite a list. And you can see that if those things are working in your life, it's going to produce some really hard moments in your life. Oh, this is terrible. What the flesh produces if it's allowed to have its way. But in Galatians 5.19 today, we're going to be looking at four of them where Paul says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. My friends, these are sexual sins. Now, I know we live in a day when moral standards have deteriorated and have changed. Things that were once considered to be sinful and shameful are now widely practiced, unfortunately, even inside the church. People have changed what they think about sexual sins. But I want to explain to you the meaning of these words in Galatians 5.19, the words adultery, 
fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. I really don't need to make much personal commentary because the meaning of these words from the Greek speak loudly enough for you to get the point. But let's begin in Galatians 5.19 where Paul mentions adultery and fornication. I know that in the King James Version, this is two words, but when you read it in the Greek text, there's just one word to describe both of these, and it is the word porneia. It's where you get the word porno, but the Greek word porneo includes all sexual activity outside of marriage. Listen to me, all sexual activity outside of marriage, including adultery and homosexuality, anything outside the context of marriage. In the New Testament, when the Bible speaks of a woman who commits adultery, the New Testament word for an adulteress is the word pornos. Pornos, that is the word. It is the New Testament word for a prostitute and informs us that a woman who has committed adultery has prostituted herself. She may not have sold herself for money. She may have traded her heart or she may have traded her body or her emotions or herself for romance or for something else. But regardless of why she has done it, the very use of this word pornos tells us she has sold herself and entered into the business of prostitution. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that a prostitute is just someone who walks the streets or works for an escort service. This word pornos describes any woman that has committed adultery, and it leaves no room for us to misunderstand that in God's view, a woman who commits adultery has fallen into the sin of prostitution. She may give other reasons for her illicit relationship, but this is the way that God views it according to the New Testament. And likewise, when a man commits adultery, it is the Greek word porneia, and it depicts a man who has had sexual intercourse with a prostitute. His emotions may try to tell him that he's found the sweetheart of his dreams, but the Greek word porneia means he has slept with a prostitute. He may try to put a different light on it, but this is how God sees it. Wow. But I have to point out something else. The word pornography is a compound of two words. The word pornos, which is the word for adultery and fornication, and the word grapho, which means to write. When you compound the two words together, pornography are the writings or images of prostitution. And it means that when a person meditates on the writings of pornography, it is the equivalent of committing mental prostitution. This sheds new light on what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. What I've just shared with you is the actual meaning of the word adultery and fornication as it is used in the New Testament. It is an all-inclusive word which embraces any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage, including adultery and homosexual, homosexuality. But then it goes on in Galatians 5.19, and it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness. What is 
uncleanness. Well, in Greek, it is a word which describes something that's been cleansed, something that is pure, but when an A is attached to the front of it, it reverses its condition, making the object dirty or unclean. And in the New Testament, this word uncleanness refers to lewd or unclean thoughts, lewd or unclean thoughts that eventually produce lewd or unclean actions. And as it is used in the Gospels and in Paul's epistles, there's a strong suggestion that these unclean thoughts begin in the mind before they become unclean actions. And when we come to Mark 1 verse 23, we find a remarkable verse that talks about this kind of uncleanness. It describes a man who was in a local synagogue. It says, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. This word unclean describes something that is unclean, lewd, dirty. But the Greek actually says this man was gripped by the control of an unclean spirit. And it seems this man had pondered on lewd thoughts for so long that he had thrown open the door for these thoughts to seize him and control him until he found himself in the grip or in the clutch of uncleanness. This word uncleanness in Greek makes me wonder whether or not this demon found entrance into this man's life because he had thought about unclean things. Had he committed some kind of mental prostitution to such an extent that it opened the door for him to be completely controlled by a spirit of uncleanness? We find the same example used in Mark 5 to describe the demoniac of Gadara. And when we come to Mark 5, verse 2, the Bible says, And when he, Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with a what? An unclean spirit. This word unclean, the very same Greek word which describes lewd, crude, dirty thoughts. And here it is a lewd, crude, dirty, unclean spirit. Wow. The same word that we saw in Mark 1.23 to describe the man in the synagogue who was in the grip or in the clutch of an unclean spirit. But now this individual who's living among the tombs has been totally seized by a spirit that is impure, lewd, and dirty. Mm. And it makes me ask, did Satan entrap this man with pornography? Did he draw him into unclean thoughts or into fornication or into some kind of wrong sexual relationship and then begin to build a stronghold of uncleanness in his mind? Never forget what the Apostle Paul told us in Romans 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are ye to whom you obey, which means whatever you give your mind to eventually becomes your master. And it seems that this man in Mark 1, 23 and the man in Mark chapter 5, verse 2, had given their mind to something unclean until finally that uncleanness entrapped them and they became obsessed by it. That is amazing. But hey, then we go on in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, where Paul mentions lasciviousness. What in the world does the word lasciviousness mean? Well, in Greek, it is the word aselgeia. And listen to this. It describes excess, but it primarily refers to, listen, the excessive consumption of food, the excessive consumption of food or wild, undisciplined living that is especially marked by unbridled 
sex. This word asalgeia is listed in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6 as the principal sin of Sodom and Gomorrah and the reason that God overthrew them. And I have to note again that this word lasciviousness, the Greek word asalgeia, refers to the excessive consumption of food, which means in God's mind, it is just as perverted to overindulge in food as it is to engage in sinful sexual activities. So how does that make you feel about overeating? That is what the word lasciviousness means. And if you've fallen into the sin of overeating or any form of excess or lasciviousness, ask the Holy Spirit to deal with you and to release his power to change you. When you understand all of these things, the way that God sees them, it makes you want to change. Confess your sin. God will change you. His spirit will empower you. You'll mortify the flesh and release the power of the resurrection. And you can move out of the flesh realm up into the spirit realm. But when we come to Galatians 5, 19 to 21, the Apostle Paul continues and he says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Then he mentions idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. That's what we're going to see tomorrow. What is idolatry? What is witchcraft? How about hatred? What is variance? And what are emulations? These are things that the flesh produces if you let the flesh have its way. But you don't have to. And that's why Paul said in Galatians 5, 16, this I say, then I say it emphatically. I say it categorically, choose to walk in the spirit, which means live in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the spirit, you'll pull the plug on the flesh. I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. A life dominated by the flesh is a hard life. It is filled with excess, imbalance, extremity, laziness, self-abuse, hatred, strife, bitterness, irresponsibility, and neglect. The way of the flesh is the hardest route to take. But a life dominated by the Holy Spirit is filled with benefits and blessings. I'm talking about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Don't give way to the flesh and allow it to produce its ugly work in your life. In this series, The Work of the Flesh versus the Fruit of the Spirit, Rick Renner will show you how to identify the works of the flesh, how to stop yielding to the flesh, how to start yielding to the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit nonstop, how walking in the Spirit can become your realm of existence. This powerful 10-part series is available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. In addition to this teaching series, you can also get the book Sparkling Gems from the Greek Volumes 1 and 2. In these books, Rick unlocks the brilliant treasures within God's Word and shows you how to live an intimate and uncompromising life with God in an easy-to-read devotional format. Each volume of Sparkling Gems explores more than 1,000 in-depth Greek word studies. Order Sparkling Gems Volume 1 for just $40 and Sparkling Gems Volume 2 for only $45. Don't miss this special offer. The series, The Work of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit and the books Sparkling Gems 1 and Sparkling Gems 2. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick and Denise Renner with our hard hats. Have to wear them. Because we're standing on our new land in Moscow where we're building the new TV studio. 
we built a big fence around this property and had to dig the ground out and then fill it with new soil. They've been leveling it. They've been putting in pipes and a French drain around the whole property. And very soon, they're going to begin pouring the foundation for the new studio. And from this place, we're gonna film programs that are going to go into people's homes all over the world. They're crying out and they're saying, God, please send us teaching we can trust. And right from this place, can you imagine, Denise, in Russia, we're gonna be broadcasting the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world. It is so exciting. Thank you so much for being a part of the giving team to make all of this happen. And at the same time, they're also getting ready to move into the new building in Tulsa. They're getting it all ready. Wow, it is so amazing what is happening simultaneously on both sides of the world. But friends, it's not about buildings, it's about people. We're doing our part to take the teaching of the Bible into people's homes all over the world. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. That's our job. Our team is willing to do the work, but partners put financial fuel into the tank that enable us to do this amazing job. And thank you so much for being a partner. And if you're not yet a part of the giving team to make all of this happen, would you please pray about becoming part of the team to help us do this? We can do it. And together, we're really going to get it done. Oh, it's just so exciting to stand here on this ground, which was dedicated to the Lord. We laid hands on it, we consecrated it, we sanctified it, and now the building is going to begin to go up. And at the same time, we're moving into our new building in Tulsa and renovating it. It's amazing what can happen if everyone works together. And Denise, we could never do this by ourselves, but God has given us the most amazing partners. And because of you, we're able to do this. And I want you to know that when you're a partner with our ministry, we really mean it when we call you a partner and we're praying for you. And again, if you're not a part of the giving team yet, please pray about joining our giving team to cause this miracle here and the miracle in Tulsa to come to pass. And together, we're going to feed people the Word of God all over the planet. Thank you so much for being a part of this project. My friend, we're covering so much material so fast. And that's why I want you to order the whole series, which is called The Works of the Flesh Versus the Fruit of the Spirit. You choose death-permeated works or supernatural life-giving fruit. You don't want to walk in the works of the flesh. You want to produce the wonderful, godly, life-giving fruit of the Spirit. And that's why you need this series, which comes in 10 parts and in multiple formats with a study guide. Please order yours today by going to render.org or give us a call. And remember that we're also offering you right now my daily devotional called Sparkling Gems from the Greek, Volume 1 and Volume 2. In Volume 1, there's 1,000 Greek word studies. In Volume 2, there's an additional 1,000 Greek word studies. If you already have Volume 1, then order Volume 2. It really doesn't matter which one you begin with. But these are daily devotionals 
You don't read the whole thing at once. You just read a little bit every day and begin to get the teaching of the New Testament down deep inside you. If you enjoy what I do in my TV programs, you will devour these books. So order yours today by going to renner.org or give us a call. And remember that if you need prayer, we're here for you. We're waiting to hear from you right now. Ring the phone or send us your email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to really pray for you. But Father, we thank you that you have given us an option. We can walk in the spirit or we can walk in the flesh. Lord, the flesh produces hardness. It's horrible what the flesh produces, but the spirit produces wonderful fruit. And Father, we ask you to help us walk in the spirit and even live in that realm. Help us to transition into the realm where we walk in the spirit in Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow, but remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power.